0: On this edition of Larry the Golf Guy, we talked to our good friend and reoccurring guest, Top 100 Teacher Brady Riggs, about the upcoming Ryder and Solheim Cups, including the makeup of the teams, some of the interesting captain's picks that were made in that regard, expectations for various players on the teams, and in that regard... How some of them played this year on their respective tours, and ultimately predictions for which teams will prevail and by how much. So, all of that and more on this Ryder and Solheim Cup edition of Larry the Golf Guy. Well, welcome to another edition of Larry the Golf Guy. And I am pleased to have our um, one and only so far, reoccurring guest, um, top top one hundred teacher, uh, Southern California Teaching Hall of Fame, and lots of other accolades. Brady Riggs, Brady, how you doing today?
1: I'm doing awesome, Larry. How you doing?
0: Good, good. So I, I asked know, Brady to come on because it is that time of year. Um, every other year, we have the Ryder cup and just the way the calendars work. We've got the Solheim cup the week before. So um, we wanted to talk about both of those events and kind of uh, make predictions as we often do for majors. And, um, but to sort of um, kind of get into it, we'll start with the the men in the Ryder cup. Uh, Brady and I haven't chatted. I don't think um, on the pod since um the US right before the US Open. Um, and so if we look over the last couple of months, I mean, I guess at least on the PGA tour in golf, um, the big story it's gotta be Victor, right? I mean, he just sort of put the pedal to the metal at the end of the season. Um, and Victor Hovlin uh, you know, wins the BMW, then you know, with the st- staggered start, which is not my favorite that they do for the <laughs> FedEx Cup finale, wins that um, with a 27 under par. That's a lot under par. I know Eastlake is not maybe the greatest test of golf, but I mean, that's a lot under par. What do we think of Victor? I've, and what's happened that he, I mean, he's obviously, you know, he's won the U.S. Amateur. I mean, he's, he's had a decorated career, but he seems to have sort of shifted into a higher gear this year what are you seeing uh with your trained eye that tells us why he's um what's changed why he has improved so markedly
1: well by his own words i'd say he he acknowledged the fact that he was too aggressive with a lot of iron shots and was forcing it into places he probably shouldn't and so he's i think he's strategically playing a little bit more intelligently and then the technical thing he's done is he just pitches the ball much better. I mean, he's just significantly better around the greens. He, he was always funny about how bad his short game was when he first got out on tour. And he's, he's done an excellent job in changing his mechanics, which is great. Uh, credit to his coach, uh, Joe Mayo, who's done a really good job with his short game. Um, you know, he, he the technical adjustment, which is interesting, which you see from every generation of good pitcher is that their head is moving forward as the club is going back. And most people think that you keep your head down. And we know that almost every good pitcher the ball does the opposite. Their head goes up when they make contact, not down. So moving your head forward on the backswing and then allowing your head to go up as you make contact is really the best way to bottom out in front and keep it shallower. It doesn't mean you don't hit down on a pitch, but you don't need to gouge the ground have a down angle of attack you need your center to be in front of the ball and he does a great job he's he's really I think significantly more effective around the greens and so with a little bit more patience with his iron play that helps and then because he's missing greens but then getting himself into better situations for the pitch shots that he's hitting and having better mechanics he's eliminating bogeys which shockingly is a really good way to be in contention regardless of the <laughs> tour or the tournament that you're playing. It's yeah, not that about is, the number of birdies sure. you make. You know, <laughs> People think they've got to make more birdies and you just don't, you don't, you just have to avoid the big scores And on the PGA tour. Those are bogeys and worse, you know, the average 18 handicapper needs to avoid doubles and worse. And if you're better at just making pars and bogeys, you're going to score better. So it's just that simple.
0: It is, you know, it is amazing. I mean, you touched on the birdie stuff. I mean, when you look at the statistics and the differences, I mean, it just so brings home what you're saying. It's, you know, when you look at the pros versus low handicap golfers it's not like they're making a gazillion birdies. It's more the avoidance of the issues, right? The avoidance of the bogeys, avoidance of losing ground. Similarly, you know, everyone has this image that they all hit 16, 17, 18 greens oh. around not at all true. Um, and granted, you know, they're playing to probably harder targets, but nonetheless, I mean, that short game is is important, right? I mean, the average, even the top tour pros, I mean, they're not they're not hitting 16, 18 greens around. No,
1: I think, you know, Larry, you touched on one of the biggest differences between the facts and the amateur's perception right. of what a tour exactly. player does, right? So an amateur thinks, well... Sure, pro hits 15 or 16 greens every round. They don't. They hit 11.8. You know, they just around 12. Right, and they think that from 100 yards, they everything's inside six feet. It's not. It's 18.6 inches on average from the fairway. And they think you know they make every putt they're looking at from eight feet it in, and from eight feet they're making half. You know, so if you kind of really understand the stats, basically they hit 12 greens of regulation. And regardless of whether they're on the fringe or they've hit it in the trees off the tee and they have to punch out, every missed green they hit, they get up and down 50% of the time. That's the average. So it doesn't matter if they were just off the green on the fringe putting or whether they were in a lake off the tee. They're still only making par half the time when they miss the green. So out of the six greens they missed, they made three bogeys. Okay. So there's three over par. Well, the 12 greens they hit, they average 3.6 birdies. So, you know, they're basically a half a shot under par by average. Those are the stats. That's the reality. They make 50% of the putts from eight feet. They make 20% of the putts from 15 feet and so on and so on. So it isn't like they're perfect. They don't hit every shot from a hundred yards stiff. You know, an amateur gets a hundred yards away and they have a wedge. Oh, this is a birdie hole for me. No, it's not. You know, you're, if you hit an average shot on the PGA Tour, you're 20 feet. And if you putt an average amount of those in the hole on the PGA Tour, you make 15%. That's the facts. So it's not a birdie hole for an amateur. They should be hoping to make par right? You know, most of the time. They're going to average over par. But I think that's the thing that makes a tour pro so exceptional is that they're making a very, very hard game less hard. But they're certainly not making it easy. And the guys that are at the top of the leaderboard are blowing away the statistics that week. They're gaining shots, huge amounts of them, especially on longer approach shots and on medium approach shots. That's where you see the big difference in a guy who's in contention versus somebody who's not They're They're hitting those shots from the fairway or from the rough closer to the hole than everybody else that week. And it just makes golf easier. It,
0: It does. The statistics that we now have available, it really tells the story and speaking of statistics and uh, ball striking, um, the other story, I guess, to, as we think about the wrap-up of the 2022-2023 tour season, our last wraparound season, which you know, mm-hmm. uh, which is good news, um, that was never a great idea in my view, is Scotty Scheffler. So mm-hmm. Scotty Scheffler for this year, statistically, um, Tita Green, was kind of off the charts good. Um, Just some amazing ball striking in, you know, and tournament after tournament after tournament. Um, And, you know, certainly lots of high finishes, won the player, So, but, uh, and he is still, I think, number one in the OWGR. But when you look at the ball striking, I mean, you would think this should have been a five-win season for him. I um, mean, the ball striking is just, I mean, I don't have the figures at my tip of my tongue, but I know having looked at them, they're just crazy. His strokes gain, as you mentioned, you know, that's an important statistic that Brody uses, you know, stroke gain. Um, his strokes gain were crazy T-degree. But yet the putting um, seems to be an issue. And um, I'm curious kind of how you look at that. And, you know, and of course, as you know me well, as someone who still has scar tissue, uh, from my 25 years in the putting wilderness, um, you know, I, I just, I always shudder when I see some, and he's not like he's yipping it, but I mean, I always shudder when I see someone, you know, lose it on the greens a little bit. And at least relatively, that's kind of what's happened. How do you sort of see the putting with him as, and in the context of the overall game, do we think this is going to be something that's going to, um, infect, and a the rest of his game. Um, And I mean, kind of what's your take on him at this point?
1: Well, it was a historically good ball striking season. I mean, it was, it was up there with the greatest ball striking seasons that they've recorded so far. Right. And it was also historically bad for basically a number one player in the world in terms of his putting. Yeah. And it, it's one of those things like in the middle of the season, it's very difficult, right? Because you can't change a lot. So you try to change putters. You try to change little things along the way because you're playing a tournament, you know, the next week and you have another major coming up and you can't get too crazy. He tried a lot of things and none of them seem to take. And I think the hardest part for anyone that's gone through any kind of difficulty with a certain part of their game in golf is that once you lose your confidence, and you start thinking about it, it gets to be difficult. Right. You know, whether that's chipping or driving or whatever that is. So he's in that place where he's thinking a lot about his putting. Right. And whether it's the putter itself that he's thinking about, or the stroke, or where he's lined up, or whatever that is, instead of it just being, you know, see the target and hit the target, and it goes in the hole and it seems like it's easy, it isn't easy anymore. And, you know, some guys go through those lulls and then they pick it back up again. Remember Els in the Masters that one year where? Oh
0: God, that's I. I have so. shudder when I think of that first hole. Oh, <laughs> I mean, it was like it was
1: horrifying. Nine or five ten put- just couldn't yeah. get off the green. It was horrifying to watch. And I'm not in all saying that, like you said, that Scheffler had that type of situation. But like Els is recovered and he puts fine now, and it's not that big a big deal. But you know, guys can go into those dark places. Tiger had chip yips for yeah, you know, during the Hero one year, and then came back and he's still Tiger again. So. You know, guys can go into lulls. I fully expect Scheffler will recover from this. But, you know, you're going to be in a the most pressure-packed environment in golf soon, in a couple weeks, playing the Ryder Cup. And we'll know how his putting is because um, he's going to have putts that are going to be very important in those rounds. And if he's struggling with those, you'll know it right away. And it would be hard to imagine that if he's having trouble on Friday – in the morning matches that he'll be fine on Sunday. Those things generally don't happen in a Ryder cup. You know, if you're not putting well, you're not all of a sudden going to find it, you know, midway during the tournament. So it should be fun to see where he's at. And I think what you said about the wraparound season, everybody's happy about the way it is, except for maybe Jimmy Walker, you know, and a couple of people that have had a few choice words for the, for the new, the new format and the new, um, uh, method of relegation and whatnot is not making people happy so
0: no that's true i i, I will say and i it, it it's not exactly simple i mean it's kind of complicated no. you go through these layers with the wraparound of you know i mean the and just kind of context a little more for our listeners um so for a number of years the pga tour has done this sort of like uh start the season right up, up again like around now and go wrap it around through the through the um tour championship. And you know, the the it, it didn't give people a chance to take time off. And the thing is, you counted all those points because everyone's sort of, I mean, I, a lot of people, pros of PGA tour, say, well, my year is good if I make it to East Lake, if I get into the sort of top 30. So if you wanted to say, ah, you know, I'm gonna take a few months off, I'll tee it up, you know, at the tournament of champions in Hawaii in January, well, you're kind of three months behind in terms of accumulating points. So a lot of people felt like, well, I got to keep playing, uh, at least a little bit. Um, so now that part, if you're if you're qualified, you know, and I think it's what the top 70 or whatever it is that. I can't remember now if it's fifty or. Well, 70 It's the top
1: fifty. If you it's made 50. it to the BMW, yeah. So okay, the top, top 50, fifty are in everything.
0: You're in everything, then,
1: right? Yeah, Fifty-one to seventy are they have status, but they can move within that group. And then, what? and then it goes from seventy on, and like you said, that's when I start getting fuzzy on it. I've read it a few times and can't. I, I've read it. Right. A,
0: it's funny you. <laughs> I love that you said that because I pulled it up. The other day, and started reading. I think, Jesus, I, I like need to take this out and get my highlighter, like I'm in law school, and start making notes on it. I mean, it was very complicated. Um, yeah, we need some flashcards for sure. The gist that of it is exactly. I need I need that in tutoring. But the gist of it is, if you're in the top, you know, one of the top players. And you and you're good through, you know, East Lake. You don't have to tee it up until January. You're not going to lose anything in terms of your status in terms of the designated events. So, so that's sort of gone. But, um, but anyways, you mentioned putting. Let, that's a good segue over to the Ryder Cup for the men, because as you aptly noted when we were talking about um, Mr. Scheffler, that event always seems to come down to putting. Um, and, you know, for whatever reason, um, the European team, particularly when we're over there, seems to make the putts and we really don't, particularly when it comes out to the 18th hole. I haven't seen a stat broken down on this, but I think if you took a look at sort of the two teams records on just the 18th hole mm. over the last 30 years in Ryder Cups, it would be incredibly lopsided. Um, against the U.S. We just don't seem to make those critical putts on that last hole, Um, and um, it hasn't been good. And, you know, and we're, of course, going to Europe. It's hard to imagine, as I say this, it's been 30 years since the U.S. has won a Ryder Cup on European. soil. we'll get, you know, a little later on to the Solheim Cup, the women have had no such issues um they have won several recently in europe but for the men they just haven't won and 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 you know just to refresh quickly some people's memory listening to this they haven't been close um you know 2006 um the k club in ireland that wasn't close 2010 So the last four, 2006, 10, 14, and 18 in Europe, 2010 was the only one that was relatively close, although we all remember that because of Lisa Pavin's um, rain suits that leaked. Um, And, um, uh, you know, they had a run to the merchandise tent to sort of get new rain suits. It was a very wet wales um, in 2010. 2014, of course, was Glen Eagles and the return of Captain Tom Watson, that did not go so well. Um, he would be the, I believe, the one who last captained the victory on European soil in '93, and then 2018 Le Golf National. That was another disaster. So no recent wins, and most of them pretty lopsided. Now we go to Marco Simone in Rome, um, which I have not played. I suspect you have not played. I have not really even studied it, what I've heard. And um, uh, I I mentioned, you know, offline, I can say, you know, I I played golf today with Jim Richardson, who's the immediate PGA National Pass president, a former guest on the podcast. And he was saying that he thinks Marco Simone is going to be a lot like La Golf Nationale in terms of how they set it up, you know, with the fairways and everything. He's headed over there with uh, the other PGA senior folks, pretty soon for the, for the cup, but um, uh, let's talk about um, who we got on the team. Uh, and of course, you know, over the years, it's gotten to more and more picks. Um, and So we've got a half, so 12 people on the team, both teams got six automatic qualifiers um, and then six picks um and there was a lot of chatter uh leading up to the picks about what was going to be done with Justin Thomas who has had a by his standards disappointing year for sure um doesn't make the FedEx Cup playoffs which was reduced to 70 this year although just missed it but um let me th- let me maybe start with that and we can go through some of the picks but what was your thought? I don't know that we've talked about it. Your thought on sort of, you know, going past some of the folks who were perhaps more naturals. um, You know what, Keegan, well, I don't know, natural people who had stronger records, Keegan Bradley, Cameron Young, um, and picking JT. You kind of view that as the right choice? Yeah.
1: So I would, I would let me comment on that, and I'll give you my take on yeah. European team versus ours, and, yeah, and why it's different there. So,
0: yeah.
1: I think everybody had something wrong with them at the end, right? I mean, if you look at all the picks, you could justify. Well, you know, Lucas Glover's playing great; he won twice, but right. didn't really do anything else, you know, yeah. during the year. Keegan Bradley, I think, was the strongest choice. Really wanted to be on the team. I could see him making that team. Um, Tony Finau kind of disappeared a little bit as the year went on. Cameron Young did not have a good year. Um, He had a great year two years ago. Yeah. So you could see where everybody was a little bit flawed, you know, in, in terms of some reason or another. I think Keegan would be maybe the exception to that. But with that said, I mean, JT is the one guy, I think, universally, that nobody on the European team wants to play just a fact of the matter. I mean, Rory said so much, right, last week. So I think I don't see it as a bad pick. I think that's what captain's picks are for, where we can get into the choice of captain and have a long conversation about that. You know, uh, we could talk about Larry Nelson if we wanted to at some point. But, I mean, along the way, I don't think that that was a bad pick. It makes perfect sense. There's a natural camaraderie with a lot of guys on that team. I don't see that as a bad choice at all, and and he did play well at uh, last week in Napa, so seems like it might be a good pick. He's got a lot to prove, maybe a chip on his shoulder. That might not be a bad thing for the American team because the team we saw in you know a couple of years ago looked like it was never going to lose another Ryder Cup. I know, and now and now all of a sudden the European team looks a lot better. We're still deeper. But the top end is very good on the European side. So, I mean, they got
0: two, three, and four on the OWGR. I mean, that's pretty tough.
1: They're pretty good. Yeah, they're pretty good. So I think if those guys play a lot of matches, which I would assume they will, if Luke yeah, Donald's using good. his head, then you're going to you're gonna have your hands full. And then I would just say, like, to me, the difference between the two is look at an NFL game. You know, you could pick, Probably the best setting in the NFL is probably Arrowhead, right? Watching the Chiefs play at Arrowhead.
0: I would agree with that. Yeah,
1: that's probably the best setting. And then you have, you know, all the way down to, let's say, you've got um, on the on the bad end, maybe Atlanta and some other places. Well, the the
0: absolute. So first of all, everyone should know what a Packers guy Brady is. I'm I'm mildly surprised you didn't say Lambeau. I think
1: Lambeau is a great setting, but I think Arrowhead special, you know,
0: and if we're going to the other end of the spectrum (laughs) in the NFL, I think uh, the commanders with FedEx field have that kind of fair enough.
1: Fair enough. You know, I'd like to say the bears, but it's just way too easy to kick them when they're down. I don't like what
0: they did to soldier field, but it's still a lot better than FedEx field, you know, in in Virginia.
1: Yeah. I don't want to kick them when they're down, but they're always down.
0: Yeah. So, well, they are than... now, they are particularly now the way they've looked the last two weeks. I agree. Right.
1: Now, if you take that setting, Arrowhead, yeah, all right, that's a special setting. I think Lambeau is. is special, but pick, take the 14th best team in the league, whatever, the middle of the road team, the Titans or whoever it is you want to pick. And, then, you know, it's fine. It's, it's got a decent setting. Go to any Premier League game, La Liga in, in Spain, go watch Serie A, go watch the Bundesliga in Germany. And I'm not talking the top flight even. Let's say you take you know, the second flight of whatever the professional soccer league is in Europe. It's nuts. It's absolutely nuts, right? The fans are singing the whole game. It's a completely different vibe. And so those players in Europe grew up with that setting.
0: Mm-hmm. That's
1: interesting. You know, That's true. The only thing sort of, I wouldn't even say close because it's not, but college football in the United States has a little bit more pageantry or whatever, a little yes, bit more passion. That. So that's a little different. But even that, those are it, it's not like it's sophisticated or anything with what they're doing. You know, it's you know, swings sing sweet Caroline and everybody thinks it's the greatest thing ever. You know, so it's not like you're going to where I'm going to in a month to Liverpool and watch a football match against Everton
0: Oh, where God, I didn't it's going to be, that. That's
1: awesome. oh, it's, it's fantastic. Right. So I think if you look at this, the, the experience that those players have in their home countries, how important that is their national teams when it comes to, the, you know, the world cup and, and even the, the European cup, I think there's a difference there in terms of what team means. And I don't think that we have that, In the United States, I don't think that the guys care maybe any less about the Ryder Cup than they do in Europe. They just care a lot about it in Europe. And I think the camaraderie is better there. And so when they're on home soil and those fans are behind them, they just seem to dig a little deeper. And whether they elevate their game or we don't play as well, which one of those it is, I'm not exactly sure. But like you said, when it really matters on the last hole you know, it just seems like they execute better than we do, which is interesting. So I think that's really the main difference. And that's why it's been such a long drubbing that we've had for three decades. It's, it's just, it's just sort of written into the DNA. It's not exactly what we do here in the United States on the PGA tour.
0: I, I, I agree with all of that. Um, and the 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 point about the Premier League and the soccer and the way the fans are there's an interesting one. I mean, that's a very I, I like that point. I think that's very good. You passed over it, but mentioned it. I'm gonna I I, I want to go back to it, which is the captaincy, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that's um, that's a really interesting. Uh, I'm glad and I'm glad you mentioned it because I don't know if I would have brought it up, but it's definitely worth talking a little bit about because. I, we seem to, in this country, for a Ryder Cup, sort of say, everyone needs to get a chance. Um, and we rotated it. And I, in particular, Azinger um, did such a great job at Valhalla with that pod system and just the that seemed to create... The kind of team camaraderie within those four groups. And, 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 and you, you know, for our listeners who don't maybe remember that as well. I mean, it was 15 years ago now, nah, hard to believe it's that long. But you know, he created these four groups of four, and each one had a vice captain and um assigned to them. And they just there was a lot of team cohesiveness and group cohesiveness that he seemed to create. And, you know, they did a phenomenal job. Um, and um, you and I probably still both remember Anthony Kim running with the flag and, you know, what he did to Sergio, um, that they just crushed him. And um, how that someone like that and it doesn't get absolutely the next Ryder Cup, and maybe the next two for all I know, you know, and we just rotate it off, whereas that's so not what Europe does. Um, I mean, I don't, I just have never, honestly, I've never really understood why that's so hard for us. When you've got someone who clearly had a winning formula, why it's a one and done. Uh,
1: we are the AYSO of international golf
0: teams.
1: (laughs) Everybody gets to play and everyone gets a favorite position. Everybody gets a trophy. It's equal playing time. And it's just wonderful. It's fantastic. And then we just get pummeled by a team that wants to win. So that's how I see that. It's just pathetic that we, like you said, I mean, and the other thing I would say is like the people that were picking weren't great players in the Ryder Cup. You know, I mean, Furyk didn't have a good record. No. Zach Johnson, I just just never seem to quite grasp why they're picking some of the players that they're picking. I mean, I think we'd be better with Deion Sanders right now than we would with, <laughs> with Zach Johnson. I mean, I think guys would get a little more fired up to play, you know. I mean, I, I've always thought it would be great to have Coach K coach the team. Or a, how how about this, the best men's college coach in the country to take over the team, in all seriousness. That's what yeah. I've always thought it should be. That's because that seems a, a lot more like what the Ryder Cup is to me, you know. So I I just think that somewhere along the way, it's like you said, everybody gets a chance to be captain. Everybody's got their vice captains, and it's just it's the same thing over and over. And it's just insane that we always pick the same people and we always get smoked over there. And it would the one guy that really had a formula and seemed to have a have something that worked, like you said, was Aziger. And, you know, he he did it once and that's the only time I guess he's going to do it. And that doesn't make any sense. It seems illogical, but you know, it's the PGA of America and I'm a member and what can I say?
0: <laughs> you are all of that. Um, the um, Yeah, it's baffling to me, but um, so um, it is an away game. It is in, uh, a core setup that I'm sure will be tailored more to the Europeans predictions what's your feeling on this um do you kind of um i i have to tell you i don't i i well i'll, I'll i will go for i'll say this because I, I always make you go first i'll go first so i was surprised that we romped as bad as much as we did in wisconsin i would not have predicted that it would be that big a romp. and as you alluded to earlier people were saying oh this is going to be a generation now we're not going to lose the ryder cup and I look at um, I look at our team, and with all due respect to you know the um, win that Brian Harmon had um, and Wyndham Clark's win, um, I don't know. I'm not. I, I I I get why they were automatic qualifiers. If I was picking twelve people, Brian Harmon would not be on them, um, and yeah. I'm not sure Wyndham Clark would either um and um i don't know i just uh and then i look at the european team i mean god mcelroy rom hovland two three four and then i add fitzpatrick to it who's a really gutty player i think um and um you know, Terrell Hatton and, and you know, and, and I don't know what to make of Ludwig. I mean, he's he, this new phenomenon. He seems pretty mm-hmm. amazing. Fleetwood's playing well. You know, Justin Rose is so experienced. You know, Shane Lowry and the two major champions with Shane Lowry and Justin Rose. It looks pretty strong to me. Um, and um, I don't know. I I just, because it's on a course that I'm sure is going to be set up for them, I got to think their favorite, but um, that's kind of how I see it. I'd, I'd love to see the U.S. win 30 years is a long time for a drought like this, but I think it's, um, if I had to put money on it, I think I'd put it on the Europeans. What's the final score then, Larry? <clears throat> I think it's going to be close. <clears throat> I will be surprised if it's a run. I really will. Either way, um, I would say... Um I'll be surprised if it's a broader margin than 13 to 15. So it could be 14 and a half 13 and a half could be 14 14 mm-hmm. they'd retain the cup or we'd retain the cup excuse me or or 15 13. I don't think I think I think we're due for a close Ryder Cup in Europe. Okay. <laughs> I, I've laid my soul there. You can uh, destroy I- it. I
1: think it's, I think it's fifteen and a half to twelve and a half.
0: Who is by? Don't you want to know? We're just going to predict the score and not the winner.
1: No, I think it's. I think Europe will win. I think they're going to win. I do think you agree the, with the, me on that. I do. I think if you look at the guys on our team that are playing the best, none of them, in my opinion, scare those three guys on the top of Europe, you know, Shuffler, Shuffler not scaring anybody at this point. Cause he can't putt. you know, and then you look at the, the group of guys that are boys, you know, Sam Burns, Spieth, um, Fowler, JT, and they're all really good players, but I mean, I don't see Fowler or Burns or JT making Rom think twice about going out and abusing them so and i think like you said about some of the guys in europe that are super hungry they're young it's it's a brand new world for them i i actually think brian harman's a good a, a gritty guy i think he's good in in match play he's a really good putter because then those guys are tough to deal with you know like they're
0: yeah that's, that's kind
1: true. of i i kind of like that especially on that golf course he gets a pretty straight
0: And that's true. He's a straight driver and that course will reward you. Yeah.
1: I think, I think he's a good horse for that, for that type of golf. I I don't see Wyndham Clark as being so effective on that, but I see Brian Harmon as being very effective on the type of course. So that could be interesting to see how he plays. So I think it'll be interesting as it always is. I just think, I just think they have such an advantage in that setting that it's got to be worth a couple points you know, what otherwise might've been a pretty close match. I think it's tilted because I mean, the 18th hole of a match, how many of those are, how many points do we lose on that?
0: I, I over, just have memories. over a normal Ryder cup. Oh, I know. And I
1: think got to be two your... or three points. Oh, we lose God. every yeah. Ryder cup on that. I know. So that, that always tilts it one way or the other. It's a huge difference. You go into that whole tie, and then they win or we go up one up. And we, I mean, how many years did we
0: see that at the Belfry year after year after year? I mean, Freddie Couples hits it 75 yards past Christy O'Connor and loses the last hole. I mean, you know, just over and over and over again.
1: And Peter Baker and yeah, McGinley and all the guys that won in the last hole. Yeah. yeah it was just as the way they did things, you know. And I think they had a belief that they would. Yes,
0: no, I told totally.
1: maybe that's one advantage that we have now without Sergio and, you know, as much as Poulter's a total idiot, he's, he was good in that format and yeah, made a lot well, of putts. But he, he
0: put in that, and right? I mean, his putting in the Ryder Cup is an unbelievable.
1: Yeah, Westwood actually made putts in the Ryder Cup. He actually, he actually won something agree which he could manage to do in the United
0: States so that 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 is true um
1: yeah you know you know he has as many wins as I do in the United States
0: I I agree I think um you know you uh him um Cameron Young you're all tied at this point we are we are but um there you go but uh, oh well that's interesting so we're pretty much in the same place in that you think it won't be quite as close as i do but you see a european win let's Mm -hmm. shift over um to the lpga which never gets um the due. uh and it's funny we were i was in a conversation with some golf people today and it's just i just shake my head at um uh, not to diss the current commissioner, but just the... <laughs> you don't see the promotion of their events the way I think they mer- they merited, given the talent level. Um, and this should be, to me, um, and I say this as someone who not only follows the LPGA, but looked at the women's amateur and all these young players, which we had in our neck of the woods here in LA at Bel Air um, last month and just so many bright stars. And it just, of course you have Rose Zang, you know, who just turned pro. And I mean, it's just, it doesn't seem we're sitting there. I know you and I talked about this. I'm sitting there. I have, I have to say this. I'm sitting there, you know, at the women's um, KPMG PGA, trying to find it Sunday morning, you know, as Rose <laughs> Zang is making birdie after birdie on the front nine at Baltusrol, Raw. You can't find it anywhere. Um, It was just frustrating. In any event, um, we're going to before we get to Rome uh, and the Ryder Cup this weekend, we're going to be going to Spain. Um, Hopefully, Danielle Kang's clubs will uh, be discovered before then, although I'm told that Titleist has assured her that she's going to get the uh, new set by tomorrow. And they uh,
1: came in yesterday. She has oh, they came steps. already.
0: I, I'm sorry. You know what? They said Wednesday. That's today. They came in yesterday. Right. And just yeah, for, so they, yeah, for folks who just don't know that, I mean, so Danielle, I don't know what airline she was taking. I mean, you could sit here. I'm sure if it was the PGA guys, they'd be taking a charter for the Ryder Cup. And we wouldn't have this issue. But again, that kind of goes to where the two tours are. But whatever airline she flew, they lost her clubs. And interestingly, and I did not know this until this story, pro she carries her putter separately in like this case that looks like it should be holding a rifle. Um, it is
1: a rifle case actually. Yeah.
0: And, and it's just, which is, I think I, I, that that's high on the cool meter for me. I thought that was pretty cool, but so she had her putter, but she didn't have the other 13 clubs, but you, <laughs> we have breaking news for me at least. So they came in yesterday. Did they find the clubs or did the replacement set come? The replacement
1: set set came and their her clubs arrived. Apparently they never left Las Vegas. They were looking all over the place for them and they were still in Las Vegas. So they they did get them there. So she's had her clubs and she's good. She's ready to go. So
0: good. that's good. Uh but anyway, so that was the news for the Solheim Cup the last couple mm-hmm. of days. But just to kind of go like as we did for the men, just to talk a little bit about um the um team as we sort of look at the um uh the, the, the season um we've got um you know lilia vu had a great year uh, wow. two majors um i'm calling it the Dinah, i can't call it the chevron Dinah and the um uh women's open um this was interesting i you you probably knew this i didn't so it's one thing it's first to win two majors in a year and the and the women actually i think have five right because they've Maybe. got The U.S. women, those two, the U.S. Women's Open, the KPMG Women's PGA that I was just dissing the telecast for, and the Avion. So there's five. um, So, and yet she's the first to win two since Jin Young-ko in 2019. Now I'm going to give you the trivia question. She's the first to win two since Jin Young-ko in 2019. What's the last American to win two majors in a year? woman the LPGA player wow if you get this I'm gonna be m- even more impressed than I always am about you wow uh I'm gonna go with Patty Sheehan but I don't know so we'll give you the year first just like you gave I, me the score I, first in I, in the I don't I'm
1: on an it. abject guess here but I'm gonna go with like 1994 two or something
0: It's not quite that far back so it's 1999 i was okay. still amazed i mean that's still we're talking 24 years 1999 so that's a pretty big hint 1999 any idea who it is i don't julie inkster
1: i mean that makes sense yeah that makes sense for that
0: year but but Amazing, right? And no American woman has won multiple majors in 24 years. I mean, it's incredible.
1: That's incredible.
0: But um, anyway, so Lilia Vu uh, won two. Um, and um uh, but let's talk a little bit about the team overall. Obviously, Lilia is not you know one of the automatic qualifiers, so they have nine automatic qualifiers for the US team. This is one thing that was surprised. They have nine and three picks. The Europeans have eight automatic qualifiers and four picks. I'm not sure why it's different. Anyways, um, among the automatic qualifiers are people who are not going to surprise you. We mentioned Danielle. She's one of them. Rose Zang is one of them. Uh, Nellie Corda is one of them. Lexi Thompson is one of them. So just to kind of pause on a couple of those names. Um, Lexi's kind of fallen off a cliff, right?
1: Yes, she has. Her, her, she was never a good putter, as you know. Yes. Her putting and her chipping were both pretty big weaknesses, but of late, her ball striking's really left her. So she was somebody who who drew it a lot, played right to left a lot, and then through her coaching went left to right? And that really has set her back because now she's sort of lost her her ability to really control the ball. And so what used to be a strength, because she was a very good ball striker for a long time, is she's not hitting the ball very well either. So that's why you don't see her in contention ever, because she's get away with how bad her putting was because she hit the ball so good and now she's not hitting it that good. So that's disappointing and could be could Mean that she doesn't play very much this week. If that would—that's so why I was going to ask you. Coach, so I would I would do that.
0: Yeah, I was just going to ask you. So Captain Stacy Lewis has to yes. figure out what to do here, and we've seen in Europe in the Men's Rider Cup over the years, people make the team, and then, and of course, the format the, the format's actually the same with Solheim and with the Ryder Cup in terms of 28 points, the last 12 of which coming on singles and the rest of it's Mm -hmm. foursomes and four ball. Um, So you only really need to play the singles. And we've seen over the years, um, European captains do just that, sit them out, someone who they don't feel as strong or whatever, sit them out for all four teams, the first two days, morning, afternoon, and only play them in the single. Do you see Stacy doing that here?
1: No, <laughs> I don't. I think <laughs> I think you know in a in a four ball match, Lexi still has you know in the right setting with the right player, she might be effective. You know, somebody who's very consistent, Tita Green, who's making a lot of pars, and that might be a, a good setting for her because she could free will a little bit. But I I think overall, it's a little bit scary to think about. Her, you couldn't have her in a foursomes match right now at all. I just don't see that oh, happening. God, can you
0: imagine that? God, no, God. I
1: can't. And I think, like, you know, it puts a lot of pressure on her partner too, regardless of the setting. You know, because her partner's going to have to carry her a lot, which can be difficult. You know, so that we saw that at um, at the International Crown back in May at uh, Harding Park. So, I think somewhere along the way, the, the partnering becomes very important. And I mean if, if I were Stacy Lewis right now, I'd ride my young players because they're they're really good and they're playing really well. I mean, I would not sit Rojang for the life of me.
0: Really? So that's interesting. <laughs> you
1: play her all five. I, I she's young. I'd play her the whole time. She's so good. You know, she would not she would not see the pine at all. I <laughs> I'd be playing her <laughs> the whole time. You know? I'd I'd be I would definitely be riding the young horses. They're so they're so strong. They're such good ball strikers. Short games are good, you know. So, so, look, so tell them. me
0: who's in that category besides Roseang for you in, on this? I team. mean,
1: Vu, Vu's great. Yeah, you know she's really, really good. I mean,
0: would Corporal you put Allison Moore,
1: who's in that category? I, 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 of course, I don't, I don't think she's not a really strong young player. You know, I like Megan Kang. I know she's not that young, but I think she's a really solid player too. You know, I think overall, I mean, Corda's great. She hasn't played great this year, but she's she was hurt so there's definitely some, if she's healthy, she's a stud. I mean, I just don't think you can sit her very much either, but it's just a matter of her physical well-being at this point and whether she's hundred percent. So, you know, Danielle, um, she's hitting a lot better than she was back in May. I can tell you that because I've seen it firsthand. So right. she's doing them. She's definitely swinging the club a lot better. The last tournament she played in Portland, she hit really good. She was in the sixties all four rounds. So, you know, obviously she's a she's as good a match player as there is in the world. You know, you don't win two straight USMs and sandwich in the middle of that a north-south amateur without being really good, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that shows you she, she can string together match wins a lot. She knows how to win matches. She's not intimidated by anybody, and she's a junkyard dog will get up and down all day on you. So, I think there's something to be said for that. You know, I mean, she won 12 straight usams GAA matches and match play winning back-to-back amateurs so if there's a if there's a player with the experience on the team who you can ride it's her but i think that you know for her to play her best you'd probably want her in some four balls right now and then you know having her super ready to go when it comes to singles and you don't want to wear her out i think foursomes for her wouldn't be the best choice i think there's players that are you know that are Probably a little more consistent tea to Green right now, although she's definitely hitting it really good going into this event. I just think it'd be wise because she's played so many of these now, so many Solheim Cups, to have her ready to go for, for singles because you know they're going to put her in a place that is going to really matter. Right. Yeah, you know, sure. and, and actually speaking to her about this very issue, um, she's always been a little frustrated that they put her last because she feels like by then it's already decided Really, that That's she, interesting. W- she yeah. would much rather be involved when the matches are you know still alive
0: right you know, she wants to be a difference maker right
1: yeah. right so for her like it feels like it's kind of anticlimactic for her she'd rather be third from last or fourth from last where maybe that match could decide it and they desperately need the point than to put her last where a lot of times she can't do anything about it by the time right. it gets to her they're a great behind. Point.
0: so i can see that yeah so,
1: So I think it's just, you know, it's, it's a crazy week and it is for every player, right? Like there, there's no semblance of normalcy whatsoever. They're going to sleep at weird hours. They're waking up at weird hours. Their, their time is spent doing this interview and that group thing and, you know, these are professional athletes that get ready on their own every week. And now they mm-hmm. have to go to the timing of somebody else's idea.
0: Yeah, that's And true. a lot
1: of it may not be in anybody's control. It's just they have so many things to do from a from a promotional standpoint. So I think it's tough. It's tough for players that are, you know, new to that. I think in a lot of ways, a college player has a much easier time. Somebody who's just in college golf because they have no control over their time. You got a 36 hole sun, you know, a Monday and an 18 hole Tuesday after an 18 hole Sunday practice round, and you're back on a flight back home again, and none of that was up to you. You know, you're up at the before the crack of dawn eating breakfast, warming up on a range with a million other people, and you play all day, and and that's easier for a college player. Yes, to go into a, into this kind of chaotic week where nothing's normal. So. I think from a lot of standpoints, I, I like the younger players in this format. I think that they they have less fear. You know, they're just going for it most of the time. And I don't know. I think it's it's going to be it. Solheim Cup's interesting because everybody's younger. You know, like if you're 31 years old on the LPGA Tour, you're a grandma. You know, <laughs> that's old on the LPGA Tour, you know that's not a young player. That's not even in your prime. I mean, you're you're way older than everybody else you're playing against. Where the PGA Tour is different than that, and the Ryder Cup is different than that, and DP World Tour is different than that. So I think it's a it's a different energy and vibe, you know? There's a little less kind of fear about it from the player's standpoint because they are younger, you know? And, and you don't have this huge, massive buildup over decades as a professional when you're playing in this event. you might have when you're on the lpj tour
0: so yeah that's a very interesting point i never thought of it that way um but that makes perfect sense um so we got to go to um predictions here um Mm. and um you know uh unlike the men i guess i said this a little bit earlier but um the u.s has does not have a 30-year drought in the uh, Solheim Cup. I mean, we won in 2015, I think, in Europe. Um, We've won in 2007. Having said that, um, Europe has won the last two, including Mm -hmm. on our soil at the Inverness Club in Ohio and Toledo in 2021. So Europe's won the last two. but um again, I I'll, I'll walk the plank here first I um <laughs> I really like this U.S team um and 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 for a lot of the reasons you said and notwithstanding Lexi not being there, I mean and assuming and I the Nellie Corda health thing is a really I'm not I I'm gonna assume that she's relatively healthy by this point um but I'm with you. I mean, I look at Lilia Vu. I look at Allison Corpus. I especially look at Rose Zhang and, um, and your college point match play, but it's a great point to me because these people, I mean, Rose just finished, you know, winning her second consecutive NCAA championship, you know, and, and um, you know, what, whatever, whatever it was, 10, 12 tournaments over her two years at Stanford. And, Um, but she's used to this travel craziness and everything. And, um, uh, she's awfully good. Allison's awfully good. Lily is awfully good. Um, I mean, I think it will be close like I do with the men, but I, I kind of see them, you know, maybe again, 15, 13, maybe it's 15 and a half, 12 and a half. But, um, like you were saying for the men for the, on the European side, but I, I see them uh this being a victorious u.s team in spain how do you see it
1: i do too i think that it's going to be really close i think that it's a 14 and a half to 13 and a half Ooh, even and while closer. Ooh. yeah well i'm well i'm hoping danielle wins the clinching point nice i'm gonna to have to i'm gonna to have to go with rojang winning the clinching point for the united states i think ah it's been a dream year you know She's to me the best player in the world, and I don't care that she's a woman. What else does she need to do this year? I mean, she went straight off a of college campus and won a golf tournament on the LPJ Tour. That is ridiculous. Yeah. You know, I, like you said, I don't think they get enough credit for how good they are. They are, if you watch an LPJ Tour event, and I know you went to the USAM this year and saw how good they strike the ball, they are as good as as advertised they are they're in my opinion the best ball strikers in the world i think the men are the are able to get it in the hole faster because their short games are dirtier and they hit it further and the courses play shorter for them but i don't think they're better players i just think that it's a different game because they hit the ball so much further than the women but i'm telling you the women are so good i mean i'm watching players on the range and just jaw dropping how good they strike the ball so I, I think they deserve more credit than they get. And totally I, I, think it, I, think, I think their their brand of golf is, is yeah. more like watching Hogan than any PGA Tour player could possibly dream of being at this particular point. They play golf station to station. They control the ball. They hit the right distance. They put it on the right side of the hole. They're so good to watch and so fun to watch. And if you love that type of golf, if you like a, if you like a pick and roll in basketball, right. you know, right. if you want to see somebody, you know, pitch into the late innings in baseball, if you like to see a, a, a student body, right in football, right. That's what you're seeing. When you get to watch the LPJ tour, it is classic It is great. And like I said, I think there is close to Ben Hogan. As there is in the game, no no guy plays like that. Maybe Scheffler a little bit, but Scheffler overpowers it too. I think the women just control the ball, and it's a joy to watch
0: them. I I couldn't agree with you more. And just two things on that. I mean, one, and I think I'm getting this right. You'll correct me, hopefully, if I'm blowing this. But um it's Minji Lee's stats from last year: the iron proximity of the hole that. I You know, it's, as people who follow golf know, they break it 100 to 125, 125 to 150, 150 175, 175 200. Those are the sort of the four ones measured for approaches. She was closer than every male golfer on the PGA Tour in 2022 um, for proximity to hole, right? I mean, I'm pretty sure that's right, um, even though she's it is, a much farther it, club.
1: It is longer club, but but the caddies keep those stats, so it's not shot link data. It's not so, shot
0: link. That's fair, right. right?
1: So I would say so. Maybe yes, she's an Phenomenal,
0: but but that's yeah, still take it with good. a
1: grain of salt a little bit. That you may not be. It's not an apples to apples comparison because they're not keeping the stats the same way. Fair enough. They're doing a better job this year on the LPJ tour. They are getting right. better data.
0: They're getting better, but data. right.
1: But Minji Lee, she she's good. Let me tell you how good Jin Young Ko is. I mean, I watched her the first. Well, that's first even maybe and, the
0: better one, right? Sixty-three greens in a you, row. You can't fake right
1: sixty-three greens in a row. That that's a stat that is real. You know. I mean, the, the,
0: you know, again, for for listeners' context, I mean, Tiger's um, longest streak was twenty-nine in a row. I mean, and as you and I've talked, I mean, you know, if you just drop the ball in the fairway a hundred yards from a hole. I mean, are you going to hit the green 63 times? I mean, is there not going to be one no. shot that you missed? I mean, right. It's just, and and that's and, dropping it in the fairway. You know, we're not talking yes. about the whole hole. I mean, it's a crazy stat,
1: right? And tiger stat based on that exact point that you said, tiger actually missed 20% of the greens from hundred yards in the middle of the fairway. Right. He missed 20% of the time. He missed the green. Minji Lee wasn't hitting hundred yard shots and they don't hit the ball as far as no, the no. to her. And much and longer. She hit, right. she hit 63 greens in a row and she was hurt. Yeah. She hit one range ball before any of those rounds because of risk. I hurt. owe Jin
0: Young-Ko. I mean, yeah, that's right. Yeah.
1: Jin so, I mean, I, like Jin Young-Ko is legitimately that good. I mean, I've watched her in person play 18 holes. She, I watched her the first round in, in New Jersey this year, she's playing with Danielle and Patty Tavitanniket and the class, I mean, of ball striking was ridiculous. She shot one over Park because she missed everything. I mean, there was not a putt that she didn't miss. She made Scotty Scheffler look like Ben Crenshaw. That's how bad she <laughs> putted at her. So I mean, it was just staggering how good of a ball striker she is. And she's she is a great ball striker and she's probably as good as anybody in the LPJ tour, but there are a lot of girls that are as good as she is.
0: There, there really know? are. And and you I, know I, I yeah, go ahead.
1: I just wanted to interject one thing about yeah, please. about Team USA when it comes to the Solheim Cup, and yeah. I think that Stacy Lewis is a awesome choice. I think Stacy Lewis is the real deal. Stacy Lewis won a lot of matches. She's sure the did. number one player in the world. She's a lot of respect amongst those players. She's perfect for the mix of being good with the veterans, but also a great person to be in charge of having younger players on the team and where I don't think coaching means anything in this scenario I think choosing partners and having a system that you've organized and put in place that makes logical sense you're not going to help anybody during a round you know it's not going to happen so it's all about the pairings and I think in all honesty I think she's a perfect choice and I think the u.s team is in good hands with her
0: yeah oh i i completely agree with that and um so we're we're predicting a u.s (laughs) victory for the women and a european victory for the men Um, Mm -hmm. but it'll be great watching and it starts um this weekend uh in spain um and um should be fun um so um Brady as always it's great to talk to you and um I think this will be a great um intro for people we'll get it posted before the weekend for these two great events and um hopefully we'll have two U.S. wins but um uh at least here you're hearing a one and one
1: yes indeed we're we're I think we're on a one and one and I think if at, at worst comes to worst, Larry, you and I, we could be on the geriatric um, amateur version of the Ryder Cup slash Solheim Cup team. I think you and I together, we could dominate.
0: No I have doubt no doubt. And and you know what I think we'd be really dominant in is, hmm. is foursomes.
1: I, I agree with you. I think foursomes, we'd be perfect. I think it's it would a perfect put us mix. up.
0: I I think we'd be dynamite. I really do.
1: I mean, the last time we played, we we both we were we we hung in there. We played some exactly. decent golf. Exactly, exactly. That's what I'm talking about.
0: Um, I I'm think they,
1: we may be getting a call anytime soon. You know, I, I think we should hold our breath on and maybe the next incarnation of the Ryder Cup. We may we may get a, ca- a captain's call.
0: It, it would be a treat for the golfing world. I have <laughs> no
1: question about it. No, Brady, thanks so
0: much. I appreciate it. You got it, Larry. Good talking okay. to you, buddy. Take care.